Well, Bob Federhoff, thanks for uh, taking time to answer a few of my questions. I've always known you to be an active and uh, very engaging leader, so I'm sure there's a lot of other things you can be doing at this time, but I'm glad that you've taken this time so that others can get to know you a little bit better and what you're up to these days. You uh, bet. Glad to do it. Yeah, well, you pastored the Worcester Church for 36 years, and now that you've laid aside the mantle of leading the church, tell me a little bit about just what's going on in your personal life. Just, you know, you, I'm hoping you have a little more time on your hands and that you can do some of the things uh, that you would look forward to or enjoy. The answer to that your question is uh, sort of. When it became clear that it was time for me to step down as senior leader at, at Grace Church in Worcester, I really began to think and pray about what God might have for my future. I never felt like I wanted to retire from ministry, but maybe it was time for me to change jobs in ministry. And uh, that led to some a lot of introspection and thought and prayer. And in that whole time frame, I developed a mission statement that would help uh, really govern the remaining years of my life uh, to whatever extent I, God would give those to me. I came up with this statement to use my experience, education, and my passions to impact as many people as possible for the sake of eternity, for the good of my family, for the development of Grace Church in Worcester, for the growth of future leaders, and for a deeper understanding about Israel in light of Bible prophecy. Mm. So all of those phrases have uh, a lot of meaning to me, and uh, certainly at the beginning uh, is my own personal commitment to touch people around me with the love of Christ any way that I can, followed closely by my commitment and desire to be more with my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been able to do that over the last four years since I stepped down as a senior leader at Grace. But I also have the opportunity to be involved in lots of ministry experiences at the same time. I, I think you've got a lot to offer us. Thank you. In ministry roles, what are you do- doing now? S- several things, to be honest. I say I went from having one job to three jobs, uh, and really almost four. Um, first of all, the the church, under Pastor Nick Cleveland's leadership, invited me to continue a relationship here that I've enjoyed very much. My title now at the church is Pastor of Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work 42 weeks of the year, which means I have 10 weeks to do whatever I want to do apart from the ministry. Um, the big rocks in the pond for my time um, and my involvement in the church are four primary things. First of all, I focus on stewardship or development. I'm responsible for communicating uh, stewardship needs to our church and challenging people in that area, providing resources and so forth. I also am involved in pastoral care, which means I still do a lot of funerals, I'm involved with people. I um, am involved in leadership development. I mentor some guys, um, helping them prepare for ministry. And then I also am involved in teaching. Um, Over the last uh, years, since I've uh, stepped out of the role of senior leader, I've been able to develop a uh, an annual series um, on different topics, but mostly related to um, Israel and prophecy and uh, what Scripture says on those topics. And I enjoy doing that very much. Still, it kind of scratches the uh, the itch to teach um, that I have, mm-hmm. which I enjoy doing, although I don't preach publicly in our public services uh, very often, and that's okay. I enjoy the teaching role that I have. So that's what I'm doing when it comes to the church and the ministry at Grace Church in Worcester. Then about the same time I was uh, stepping down as uh, senior pastor at Grace, um, the leaders at Grace Seminary approached me about becoming a part of a new program that 
uh, Grace has developed called Deploy. Uh, Deploy, in a nutshell, is uh, um, some things that are typical to a lot of educational experiences today and some things that are very unusual. For instance, the things that are typical is that it's online, it's graduate level, offering two master's degrees, and it's accredited. Those things are true of a lot of different schools today. What makes Deploy what it is is that it's competency-based education where students are not permitted to move from one level of study to the next until they've achieved a proficiency or a competency in certain areas. It's also mentor-supervised, which means that every student has two mentors in a local church plus the academic mentor who delivers the academic content. Those mentors in the local church are focused on the skill and the spiritual development of the student. And then it's local church focused. Students are asked to stay where they are, not go away to school at all, but to stay involved in their local settings where people know and love them the most. Well, my role with um, Deploy is director of church partnerships. I'm involved in helping interact with uh, churches that are interested in Deploy and also the recruitment and training and communication with the mentors for those students. We have about almost 100 mentors now. Um, who are interacting with about 50 students that are enrolled in the ploy. A third area where I have um, significant interest, as you've kind of uh, intimated already, and I've talked about, is uh, related to Israel. I love uh, leading trips to Israel. I continue to do that when we're able to. Uh, I like to lead, uh, hopefully, at least two trips to Israel a year in the spring and the fall. Uh, I, I love introducing people to the land of the Bible. I say it's They'll do more for your spiritual growth than almost anything you can imagine. It's like a year of Bible college condensed into about 10 days. Very end of March, we're headed back to Israel, Lord willing, as uh, Israel has reopened for tourism, and I'm looking forward to that. Now, one of the things that has occupied some time in the last uh, three years has been the development of a nonprofit organization that I helped to establish called Walk the Bible, which helps to provide scholarships for Christian leaders uh, developing leaders and pastors and missionaries who wouldn't otherwise be able to go to Israel to be able to get there, and then also to provide educational resources related to the Bible and prophecy of the land of Israel um, that um, perhaps wouldn't be available elsewhere. It's sort of a hobby that I have, but it's also a ministry experience that I enjoy uh, leading and directing. I'm the president of the organization. We have a board of directors and so forth, inviting people to make contributions to the organization to help in those areas. So, I'm delighted to be a part of that, and yeah. those are the things that are keeping me busy, besides the, all the opportunities I have with my family. Do you work with Jim Custer? The answer is I used to. Uh, Jim was my mentor. Okay. Back in the uh, mid-90s, Jim invited me to go to Israel with him. Uh, the first time I went, and I just kind of walked around with my mouth open probably most of the time, amazed at what I was seeing. Then I went back with him and followed him around like a puppy dog and learned how to do this. So he was really a mentor to me in those trips to Israel and taught me so much about how to, um, how to help people synthesize what they are experiencing. Going to Israel can be like drinking out of a fire hydrant. You can get so much information that you can't process it all. And one of Pastor Jim's, I believe one of his incredible gifts is to help people synthesize what they're seeing so that they remember it and then can process it later on and apply it to their lives. I took that uh, from him and have tried to do that in the trips that I've been leading subsequently. This will be my forty, uh, my thirty-fourth trip to Israel this spring. Okay, you, you mentioned how how going to Israel really changed your life and was uh, made a big impact on you. But uh, as you've gone and returned thirty-four times, yep. what have you come to enjoy now? Well, I will never get tired of of uh, helping people see the Bible through 
a different lens. You know, you and I were taught to read the Bible for what it says and what it means. And that, of course, is most important. But we weren't really encouraged or didn't have the tools available to help us learn to read the Bible through the lens of where things happened. When you go to Israel, suddenly you have a whole new dimension to what you study in the scriptures. And I love helping people understand how the significance of where things happened and how they developed in this area um, caused the events or shaped the events of Scripture, and then how, even more than that, how those events and the uh, occurrences uh, that are described in Scripture uh, really apply to our lives. So my intent is to help people go to Israel to gain a fresh understanding of the Scriptures there, but even a better understanding of how those stories of the Bible relate to my life and how they shape my life. What would you want to say to leaders, uh, people who are in our district that um, either pastors or on staff of our churches, what would you say to them about maybe why they should go to Israel? Well, somebody said a long time ago to me that going to Israel is like a year of Bible college. You learn things that you never learn any other way. Uh, by visiting the land of Israel. It's an investment. It's expensive. It's not cheap to go. Frankly, you will get uh, what you pay for when it comes to a trip to Israel. But going brings a dimension to your study of Scripture that is very difficult to gain any other way. I used to say um, going to Israel is like going from black and white TV to color TV. That kind of loses the punch today because uh, of high def and all that. But you get the point. It provides a perspective on your study of Scripture. You can't read the Bible without thinking of a place you've been. Um, that shapes your study and your teaching of the Scriptures. There's just no way around yeah. Well, I would just say to anybody who is considering it, it's worth your investment um, more than you'll begin to realize uh, before you get there, but you will understand when you get back. And then... Um, if if money is a factor, if if you're just inhibited from going yeah. because of finances, please contact me. Perhaps there's something we can do through uh, this ministry that I've developed called Walk the Bible. Gee, is it safe to go? Great question. Um, is it safe to walk the streets of Cleveland? Um, <laughs> I always I always tell people I I feel safer walking the streets of Jerusalem than I do walking the streets of almost any major city in America today. Uh, we, we go out for walks after supper when we're uh, at a hotel in Jerusalem or in Tiberias. I don't feel any insecurity or any lack of uh, safety at all. There's an awareness that there's military around, but it, it's not oppressive. And what you experience in the airport today in, in Tel Aviv is no different than what you experience at any other airport uh, in the world. Uh, are the provisions hard regarding COVID in the pandemic? Uh, some of that's um, still in the works, frankly, um, but there are protocols clearly in place for tourism to Israel today. Um, you have to have a negative PCR test within 72 hours of departure and a negative PCR test upon arrival in Tel Aviv. Um, there are protocols that uh, require everybody to have insurance um, that will cover COVID-related um, uh, situations that might develop on the trip. But uh, uh, frankly, because of the, uh, the, the care that is being taken and uh, the protocols that are in place, 
I don't anticipate major problems. We just have to have some uh, some uh, details to work out in advance of arrival. Well, what are some things you are seeing on the world stage uh, as it relates to biblical prophecy and particularly the role of Israel? Well, I, I think probably the most uh, interesting uh, comes right out of what the world has experienced in the last two years. Uh, it's hard to pay attention to um, all of the pronouncements that have happened related to COVID without uh, wondering uh, how this has set up um, a system in the future of control of people in the world as it relates to health issues or financial issues or travel issues that really um, would set, set up the world for a one-world ruler that will eventually um, come to power during the days of the tribulation. Um, I, I wonder a lot about all of the uh, backstory of what has been happening behind COVID. And I, I'm not going to go into a lot of uh, speculation on the details of that other than to say it has to be setting the stage for what's going to happen down the road. Hmm. Um, furthermore, um, with respect to the Middle East itself, I'm fascinated with uh, the Abraham Accords that were signed uh, shortly before the end of the presidency of uh, Donald Trump, where uh, a number of Arab nations declared a peace treaty with Israel. Scripture is clear that one of the indications of, uh, of what happens during the tribulation is that there is some kind of a covenant or peace treaty that is signed um, by the man of sin with uh, the people of Israel. It is um, broken by the Antichrist halfway through the tribulation. Uh, he violates the very peace treaty that he had entered with uh, the nation of Israel. But there will be a, a greater and greater call, I believe, for peace in the Middle East. These nations that are signing um, a peace accord with Israel today, I think, are doing it in good faith. Um, but I think it's an indication that there's going to be more of that to come, a greater and greater hunger for peace in the Middle East as the years go by. And when, when uh, the right person steps on the stage and promises a temple for the Jews and a capital for the Palestinians, perhaps in East Jerusalem, I think that sends chills down my spine because it's indicative of uh, a, a hunger for peace that will cause people to do almost anything uh, yeah. to achieve that. And I don't think we're too far away from that day. Yeah. Furthermore, I'm intrigued by the developments related to uh, Russia and uh, its aggression in um, Eastern European countries like Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, its connection with Syria and Iran today, and uh, those nations that are diametrically opposed to the very existence of the nation of Israel. I find it fascinating to uh, study what's happening in Turkey, where for many, many years, Turkey was aligned with Western nations as a member of NATO. Yep. It has taken a much more radical turn toward Islam under the leadership of President Erdogan. Uh, Modern-day Turkey is biblical Gomer. If you read in Ezekiel, for instance, about Gomer, mm -hmm. uh, you begin to understand um, perhaps what could happen uh, with the leadership of um, the modern nation of Turkey. So there are all kinds of developments. 
uh, geopolitically that would seem to point to the fact that we are living in a day of great significance and a day that uh, may indicate we're not really too far at all from the return of the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Sure. Let's say someone's interested in, in taking this trip. What's What would be their next step? What do they do? Well, uh, do some research. On the trips that I lead, we try to, uh, in most cases, provide a comprehensive tour of Israel from south to north. We include some of the desert experiences in order for people to get a flavor for what it was like for the Israelites to experience the exodus. Uh, and then we head north up to the Galilee before we head to Jerusalem. Um, our tours tend to be anywhere between 10 and 12 days in length. Um, and uh, I, I would encourage people, if they're interested in being part of one of our tours, to give me a call, or, or you can email me at rdfetterhoff at worcestergrace.org. And I'd be glad to provide information about the tours that we have coming. And of course, on our website, ohioholylandtours.com, there's uh, detailed information about the coming trips that we have on the horizon. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Uh, I think the guys will really enjoy this. Um, how can we be praying for you? First of all, uh, you can pray for me personally that um, God continues to use me in every way that he chooses for his glory. And as I said earlier, my primary goal is to point people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And then um, I, I just pray that he uses the ministries in which I'm involved to their fullest extent possible. Pray that I... Uh, provide the adequate time that my wife deserves after all these years and our family deserves um, to give to them, yeah. something that I enjoy very much. I love the time we're able to spend together. Um, I appreciate uh, very much those who would be kind enough to pray for us and during this time. Great, great. Well, thanks a lot, Bob. Really appreciate it.